chapter nine part two of the life of washington volume three by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine part two february one early in the morning of the first of february lord cornwallis forced a passage over the catawba at a private ford which was defended by general davidson with about three hundred north carolina militia davidson was killed and his troops dispersed they were followed by tarleton who hearing in the pursuit that several bodies of militia were assembling at a tavern about ten miles from the ford hastened to the place of rendezvous and charging them with his usual impetuosity broke their centre killed some and dispersed the whole party it was found impracticable to bring the militia into the field and huger who had been directed to march to salisbury was ordered to effect a junction between the two divisions of the army at some place farther north green retreated along the salisbury road and in the evening of the third crossed the yadkin at the trading ford his passage of the river then already much swollen by the rain of the preceding day was facilitated by boats which had been previously collected the rear-guard which being impeded by the baggage of the whigs who fled from salisbury did not cross till midnight was overtaken by the van of the british army and a skirmish ensued in which some loss was sustained but the americans effected the passage of the river february three ninth the rains having rendered the radkin unfordable and the boats being collected on the opposite side the pursuit was necessarily suspended but green continued his march to guilford court house where he was joined by huger after some delay and apparent hesitation respecting his movements lord cornwallis marched up the yadkin which he crossed near its source on the morning of the eighth after the junction between the divisions of huger and morgan the infantry of the american army including six hundred militia amounted to about two thousand defectives and the cavalry to between two and three hundred lord cornwallis lay twenty-five miles above them at salem with an army estimated from twenty-five hundred to three thousand men including three hundred cavalry having failed in his attempt to prevent the junction of the two divisions of the american army his object was to place himself between green and virginia and force that officer to a general action before he could be joined by the reinforcements which were known to be preparing for him in that state his situation favoured the accomplishment of this object green on the other hand was indefatigable in his exertions to cross the dam without exposing himself to the hazard of a battle to effect this object the whole of his cavalry with the flower of his infantry amounting together to rather more than seven hundred men were formed into a light corps for the purpose of harassing and impeding the advance of the enemy until the less active part of his force with the baggage and military stores should be secured morgan being rendered incapable of duty by severe indisposition the command of this corps was conferred on colonels otho and williams lord cornwallis had been informed that it would be impossible to obtain boats at the ferries on the dan in sufficient numbers for the transportation of the american troops before he could overtake them and as the river could not be forded below he calculated with confidence on succeeding in his object by keeping above green and prevent his reaching those shallow fords by which alone it was thought possible to escape into virginia 
dix's ferry is about fifty miles from guilford courthouse and was almost equidistant from the two armies considerably below and more than seventy miles from guilford courthouse were two other ferries boyd's and irwin's which were only four miles apart by directing their march towards the lower and more remote ferries the distance from lord cornwallis was so much ground gained and by dispatching an officer with a few men to dix's the boats at that and at an intermediate ferry might be brought down the river in time to meet the army at the intended crossing-place these facts being suggested by lieutenant-colonel carrington quartermaster-general for the southern department the proposition was instantly adopted and an officer dispatched to bring the boats from above down to boyd's ferry the next day both armies resumed their line of march while general green pressed forward to boyd's williams gained an intermediate road leading to dix's ferry and thus placed himself between the two armies a small distance in front of the one and considerably in rear of the other such was the boldness and activity of this corps that lord cornwallis found it necessary to temper the eagerness of his pursuit with caution yet he moved with great rapidity marching nearly thirty miles each day on the morning of the third day he attempted to surprise the americans by marching from the rear of his column into the road which had been taken by them while his van proceeded slowly on its original route information of this movement was received and lieutenant-colonel lee charged his advanced cavalry with such impetuosity as to cut a company nearly to pieces a captain and several privates were made prisoners the whole british army turned into this road and followed in the rear of williams who used every effort to delay their march february fourteenth the measures adopted by green for collecting the boats were successful and on the fourteenth he effected the passage of his troops and stores when williams supposed that the american army had reached the dan he left the road leading to dix's ferry and entering that which green had taken urged his march to the lower ferries with the utmost celerity lord cornwallis being at length informed that green had taken the lower road turned into it about the same time by a nearer way and his front was in sight of the rear of williams so rapid were the movements of both armies that in the last twenty-four hours the americans marched forty miles and the rear had scarcely touched the northern bank when the van of the enemy appeared on the opposite shore that general green was able to effect this retreat without loss evidences the judgment with which he improved every favourable circumstance the exertions the fatigues the sufferings and the patience of both armies during this long toilsome and rapid pursuit were extreme without tents without spirits often without provisions and always scantily supplied with them through deep and frozen roads high waters and frequent rains each performed without a murmur the severe duties assigned to it the difference between them consists only in this the british troops were well clothed the americans were almost naked and many of them barefooted great praise was bestowed by the general on his whole army but the exertions of colonel williams and of lieutenant colonel carrington were particularly noticed although that part of north carolina through which the armies had passed was well affected to the american cause such was the rapidity with which they moved and such the terror inspired by the presence of the enemy that no aid was drawn from the militia indeed those who had joined the army from the more remote parts of the country could not be retained and when it reached the dam the militia attached to it did not exceed eighty men having driven green out of north carolina lord cornwallis turned his attention to the re-establishment of regal authority in that state lord cornwallis retires to hillsborough 
for this purpose he proceeded by easy marches to hillsborough at that time its capital where he erected the royal standard and issued a proclamation inviting the inhabitants to repair to it and to assist him in restoring the ancient government as soon as it was known that general green had entered virginia he was reinforced by six hundred militia drawn from the neighboring counties the command of which was given to general stevens apprehension that lord cornwallis if left in the undisturbed possession of north carolina would succeed to the extent of his hopes in recruiting his army and procuring the submission of the people general green determined on receiving this small reinforcement to re-enter that state and avoiding a general engagement to keep the field against a superior enemy who had demonstrated his capacity for rapid movement and hardy enterprise february green recrosses the dan on the eighteenth while lord cornwallis remained on the opposite shore the legion of lee had passed the dan on the twenty first the light infantry also recrossed it and on the twenty third they were followed by the main body of the army the light infantry hung around the quarters of the enemy while the main body advanced slowly keeping in view the roads to the western parts of the country from which a considerable reinforcement of militia was expected general green was not mistaken in the consequences of leaving lord cornwallis in the peaceable possession of north carolina he was informed that seven independent companies were raised in one day a large body of royalists had begun to embody themselves on the branches of the hall river and colonel tarleton with the cavalry of his legion and some infantry was detached from hillsborough to favor their rising and to conduct them to the british army intelligence of the movements of the loyalists and of tarleton being received green ordered lieutenant colonel lee with the cavalry of his legion and general pickens with between three and four hundred militia who had just formed a junction near hillsborough to move against both parties in a long lane lee whose cavalry was in front of the whole detachment came up with the royalists he was mistaken by them for tarleton whom they had not yet seen to whose encampment they were proceeding and whose corps was then taking refreshment not much more than a mile distant from them perceiving their mistake lee received their expressions of joy and attachment and had just reached their colonel to whom he was about to make communications which might have enabled him to proceed on his design of surprising tarleton when the infantry who followed close in his rear were recognized by the insurgents and a firing took place between them party of loyalists commanded by colonel pyle cut to pieces it being apparent that the circumstance must give the alarm to the british lee changed his plan and turning on the royalists who still supposed him to be a british officer cut them to pieces while they were making protestations of loyalty and asserting that they were the very best friends of the king more than one hundred among whom was colonel pyle their leader fell under the swords of his cavalry this terrible but unavoidable carnage broke in a great measure the spirits of the tories in that part of the country some who were on their march to join the british standard returned determined to await the issue of events before they went too far to recede the hope of surprising tarleton being thus disappointed pickens and lee determined to postpone the attack till the morning and took a position for the night between him and a corps of militia which was advancing from the western counties of virginia under colonel preston tarleton had meditated an attempt on this corps but at midnight when his troops were paraded to march on this design he received an express from lord cornwallis directing his immediate return to the army in obedience to this order he began his retreat long before day and crossed the haw 
just as the americans who followed him appeared on the opposite bank two pieces of artillery commanded the fort and stopped the pursuit to approach more nearly the great body of the loyalists who were settled between haw and deep rivers and to take a position in a country less exhausted than that around hillsborough lord cornwallis crossed the haw and encamped on alamance creek as the british army retired general green advanced not being yet in a condition to hazard an engagement he changed his ground every night in the course of the critical movements which were made in order to avoid an action and at the same time to overawe the loyalists and maintain a position favorable to a junction with the several detachments who were marching from different quarters to his assistance he derived immense service from a bold and active light infantry and from a cavalry which though inferior in numbers was rendered superior in effect to that of his enemy by being much better mounted they often attacked boldly and successfully and made sudden incursions into the country which so intimidated the royalists that lord cornwallis found it difficult to obtain intelligence by these means all his attempts to bring the american general to action were frustrated and his lordship was under the necessity of keeping his men close in their quarters during this hazardous trial of skill lord cornwallis moved out in full force towards rudy fort where the night infantry lay in the hope of surprising that corps under cover of a thick fog and probably with ulterior views against general green his approach was perceived and a sharp skirmish ensued between a part of the light infantry and a much superior body of british troops commanded by lieutenant colonel webster in which the loss was supposed to be nearly equal the advance of the british army obliged williams to retire and general green by recrossing the haw and uniting with the light infantry on its northeastern bank at the rocky ford disappointed any farther designs which might have been formed against the army then under his command or against the reinforcements which were approaching being thus foiled lord cornwallis withdrew to deep river and general green fell back to the iron works on troublesome creek at length his reinforcements though much inferior to the number he had been taught to expect were received and green in his turn sought a battle with his view he dissolved the corps of light infantry advanced towards his enemy and encamped within eight miles of him at guilford courthouse his army including officers amounted to about four thousand five hundred men of whom not quite two thousand were continental troops and the residue consisted of virginia and north carolina militia those of virginia were commanded by generals stevens and lawson and by colonels preston campbell and lynch and those of north carolina by generals butler and eaton of the four regiments which composed the continental infantry only one the first of maryland was veteran the other three consisted of new levies with a few old continental soldiers interspersed among them the legion of lee and the cavalry of washington like the first regiment of maryland added every advantage of experience to approved courage and nearly all the officers commanding the new levies were veteran march fifteenth having determined to risk an action green chose his ground with judgment early in the morning of the fifteenth the fire of his reconnoitring parties announced the approach of the enemy on the great salisbury road and his army was immediately arranged in order of battle battle of guilford it was drawn up in three lines on a large hill surrounded by other hills chiefly covered with trees and underwood the front line was composed of the two brigades of north carolina militia who were posted to great advantage on the edge of the wood behind a strong rail fence with an extensive open field in front the two brigades of virginia militia formed the second line they were drawn up entirely in the wood about three hundred yards in rear of the first and on either side of the great salisbury road 
the third line was placed about three hundred yards in rear of the second and was composed of continental troops the virginia brigade commanded by general huger was on the right that of maryland commanded by colonel williams was on the left they were drawn up obliquely with their left diverging from the second line and partly in open ground the first and third regiments of dragoons amounting to one hundred and two troopers kirkwood's company of light infantry and a regiment of militia riflemen under colonel lynch formed a corps of observation for the security of the right flank which was commanded by lieutenant colonel washington the legion consisting of one hundred and sixty-eight horse and foot and a body of riflemen commanded by colonels campbell and preston formed a corps of observation for the security of the left flank which was placed under lieutenant colonel lee the artillery was in the front line in the great road leading through the centre with directions to fall back as the occasion should require though lord cornwallis was sensible that the numbers of the american army were greatly augmented by troops whose continuance in service would be of short duration he deemed it so important to the interests of his sovereign to maintain the appearance of superiority in the field that he was unwilling to decline the engagement now offered him march fourteenth fifteenth on the advance of green therefore he prepared for action and early in the morning moving from his ground determined to attack the adverse army wherever it should be found about four miles from guilford court house the advance led by lieutenant colonel tarleton fell in with lee and a sharp skirmish ensued which was terminated by the appearance of such large bodies of british troops as rendered it prudent for lee to retire his lordship continued to advance until he came within view of the american army his disposition for the attack was then made in the following order the seventy-first british regiment with the german regiment of bows led by general leslie and supported by the first battalion of the guards under colonel norton formed the right and the twenty-third and thirty-third regiments led by lieutenant colonel webster and supported by brigadier general o'hara with the grenadiers and second battalion of the guards formed the left the light infantry of the guards and the jaegers posted in the wood on the left of the artillery and the cavalry and column behind it in the road formed a corps of observation this disposition being made the british troops advanced to the charge with the cool intrepidity which discipline inspires the north carolina militia were not encouraged by the great advantages of their position to await the shock they broke instantly and throwing away their arms and flying through the woods sought their respective homes the british then advanced on the second line which received them with more firmness and maintained their ground for some time with great resolution lord cornwallis perceiving the corps on his flanks brought the whole of his reserve infantry into the line on the right general leslie brought up the guards to oppose lee and on the left webster changed his front to the left and attacked washington while the grenadiers and second battalion of guards moved forward to occupy the place which he had just quitted the ground being unfavorable to the action of horse washington had posted lynch's riflemen with whom he remained in person on a height covered with thick woods and had drawn up his cavalry and continental infantry about one hundred yards in their rear on being attacked by webster the riflemen broke and washington finding it impossible to rally them rejoined his cavalry the british continuing to advance and it being well understood that the militia could not stand the bayonet general stevens who had received a ball in his right thigh ordered his brigade to retreat lawson's brigade having given way a short time before the second line was entirely routed and the enemy advanced boldly on the third the several divisions of the british army had been separated from each other by extending themselves to the right and left in order to encounter the distinct corps which threatened their flanks and by advancing in regiments at different times as the different parts of the second line had given way the thickness of the wood increased the difficulty of restoring order they pressed forward with great eagerness and with a considerable degree of irregularity 
green in the state of the action entertained the most sanguine hopes of a complete victory his continental troops were fresh in perfect order and upon the point of engaging an enemy broken into distinct parts and probably supposing the severity of the action to be over this fair prospect was blasted by the misconduct of a single corps the second regiment of maryland was posted at some distance from the first in open ground its left forming almost a right angle with the line so as to present a front to any corps which might attack on that flank the british in advancing inclined to the right and the second battalion of guards entered the open ground immediately after the retreat of stevens and rushed on the second regiment of maryland while the first was engaged with webster without waiting to receive the charge that regiment broke in confusion by pursuing them the guards were thrown into the rear of the first regiment from which they were concealed by the unevenness of the ground and by a skirt of wood green was himself on the left and witnessed the misfortune without being able to remedy it his militia being entirely routed the flight of one-fourth of his continental troops would most probably decide the fate of the day unwilling to risk his remaining three regiments only one of which could be safely relied on without a man to cover their retreat should the event prove unfortunate he ordered colonel green of virginia to withdraw his regiment from the line and to take a position in the rear for the purpose of affording a rallying point and of covering the retreat of the two regiments which still continued in the field the guards were soon called from the pursuit of the second maryland regiment and led by lieutenant-colonel stuart against the first about this time webster finding himself overpowered by the first maryland regiment then commanded by colonel gunby and by kirkwood's company and the remaining regiment of virginia with whom he was engaged at the same time had in a great measure withdrawn from the action and retired across a ravine into an adjoining wood to this critical respite enabled gunby to provide for the danger in his rear facing about he met the guards and a very animated fire took place on both sides during which the americans continued to advance in this critical moment lieutenant-colonel washington who was drawn to this part of the field by the vivacity of the fire made a furious charge upon the guards and broke their ranks at this juncture gunby's horse was killed under him and the command devolved on lieutenant-colonel howard the regiment advanced with such rapidity that gunby could not overtake it and was within thirty yards of the guards when they were charged by the cavalry almost at the same instant the maryland infantry rushed upon them with the bayonet and following the horse through them were masters of the whole battalion in passing through it captain smith of the infantry killed its commanding officer after passing through the guards into the open ground where the second regiment had been originally posted howard perceived several british columns with some pieces of artillery believing his regiment to be the sole infantry remaining in the field he retreated in good order and brought off some prisoners the cavalry also retreated about the same time the remaining virginia regiment commanded by colonel hawes and kirkwood's infantry who were still engaged with webster were directed by general green to retreat the artillery was unavoidably abandoned the horses which drew the pieces being killed and the woods too thick to admit of their being dragged elsewhere than along the great road the retreat was made in good order and green in person brought up the rear though the action was over on the right and centre campbell's riflemen still maintained their ground on the extreme of the american left against general leslie with the regiment of bows and the first battalion of guards after the guards had routed the brigade commanded by lawson they were attacked on their right flank by the infantry of lee's legion and by campbell's riflemen and were driven behind the regiment of bows which having moved with less impetuosity was advancing in compact order this regiment sustained the american fire until lieutenant-colonel norton was able to rally the guards and to bring them back to the charge after which the action was maintained with great obstinacy on both sides until the battle was decided on the right 
lieutenant colonel tarleton was then ordered to the support of leslie the legion infantry had retreated and only a few resolute marksmen remained in the rear of campbell who continued firing from tree to tree being unable to resist a charge of cavalry they were quickly driven from the field two regiments of infantry and a detachment of cavalry pursued the right wing and centre of the americans for a short distance but were soon ordered to return on examining his situation lord cornwallis found himself too much weakened and his troops too much fatigued by the action to hazard its renewal or to continue the pursuit general green halted about three miles from the field of battle behind rudy fort creek for the purpose of collecting his stragglers after which he retired about twelve miles to the iron works on troublesome creek the place appointed for the rendezvous of his army in the event of its being defeated the returns made immediately after the action exhibited a loss in killed wounded and missing in the continental troops of fourteen commissioned officers and three hundred and twelve non-commissioned officers and privates major anderson a valuable officer of maryland was killed and general huger who commanded the continental troops of virginia was wounded the same return states the loss of the militia at four captains and seventeen privates killed and in addition to general stevens one major three captains eight subalterns and sixty privates were wounded a great proportion of this part of the army was missing but it seems to have been expected that they would either rejoin their corps or be found at their homes the victory at guilford was dearly purchased official accounts state the loss of the british army at five hundred and thirty-two men among whom were several officers of high rank and distinguished merit lieutenant-colonel stewart of the guards was killed and lieutenant-colonel webb who was ranked by his enemies among the best officers in the british service was mortally wounded this loss when compared with the numbers brought by lord cornwallis into the field was very considerable the americans did not compute his troops at more than two thousand rank and file but his own accounts state them at only fourteen hundred and forty five no battle in the course of the war reflects more honor on the courage of the british troops than that of guilford on no other occasion have they fought with such inferiority of numbers or disadvantage of ground estimating his first line at nothing general green's army consisted of three thousand two hundred men posted on ground chosen by himself and his disposition was skilfully made the american general expecting to be again attacked prepared for another engagement but the situation of lord cornwallis had become too desperate to hazard a second battle or to maintain his position he found himself under the necessity of retreating to a place of greater security where provisions might be obtained when the expedition into north carolina was originally meditated major craig at the head of a small military and naval force took possession of wilmington a town near the mouth of cape fear and extended his authority several miles up the river lord cornwallis now looked to a communication with his post for aids which had become indispensable to the farther operations of the campaign on the third day after the battle he broke up his encampment and proceeded by slow and easy marches towards cross creek green advances to ramsey mills with a determination to enter south carolina general green on hearing that the british army was retreating resolved to follow it the difficulty of subsisting the troops in an exhausted and hostile country and the necessity of waiting for a supply of ammunition impeded the march of his army so much that he did not reach ramsay's mills until the twenty eighth of march at this place lord cornwallis had halted and here general green expected to overtake and attack him but on the approach of the american army his lordship resumed his march to cross creek and afterwards to wilmington where he arrived on the seventh of april april seventh 
general green gave over the pursuit at ramsey's mills so excessive had been the sufferings of his army from the want of provisions that many of the men fainted on the march and it had become absolutely necessary to allow them some repose and refreshment the expiration of the time for which the virginia militia had been called into service furnished an additional motive for suspending the pursuit at this place the bold and happy resolution was taken to carry the war into south carolina the motives which induced the adoption of this measure were stated by himself in a letter communicating his determination to the commander-in-chief it would compel lord cornwallis to follow him and thus liberate north carolina or to sacrifice all his posts in the upper parts of south carolina and georgia the southern army amounted to about seventeen hundred effectives that of lord cornwallis is understood to have been still less numerous so impotent were the means employed by the conquest and defence of states which were of immense extent and value this unexpected movement gave a new aspect to affairs and produced some irresolution in the british general respecting his future operations after weighing the probable advantages and disadvantages of following green into south carolina he decided against this retrograde movement and determined to advance into virginia End of chapter nine part two